Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to produce a weekly podcast inspiring you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today I'm starting a four-part series on how to make this life count. What does it look like to make this life count? We're going to take a look at four qualities that characterize the very best leaders. If you're interested in growing spiritually and leading in any capacity, you're going to learn from Jesus, the perfect leader, and from other examples on how to become the best leader you can. Over the next four episodes, we're going to study how great leaders relate up, down, around, and inside with Christ, the lost disciples and with self. In our first episode, we're going to take a look at the Christ-centered leader. He focuses up, or she focuses up. We're going to look at the motivation and orientation of a truly spiritual leader. In our episode, the next episode, we'll be taking a look at being action-oriented. We're going to focus down. We're going to take a look at the mission-driven lifestyle of a spiritual leader as he or she makes a difference in helping pull the lost out of the pit. Great leaders live and model a lifestyle that others only talk about. The next episode, we'll be talking about being skilled with people. That class focus on, focuses around. Great leaders are great with people. They're great listeners. They do things that draw people to them rather than push them away. People want to follow good leaders. And then the final episode in this four-part series is the leaders who are humble and eager to learn. Of course, there's only one perfect leader, Jesus. And so in view of this, we're going to look at how imperfect people like us can become great leaders. We're going to take a look at attitudes of humility, eagerness to learn, and repentance. These things characterize the self-aware and growing leader. So let's go ahead and dive into class number one on how to make this life count. This person is Christ-centered. Christ-centered. I want to ask you, what is the source of your happiness? If you want to be a great leader, Christ needs to be the source of your happiness. I want you to think about, think about when you've been the happiest in your life. I mean, there have been some times I've been super happy and also super down. But I want you to consider, what is it? What ties in with a time when you were super happy? In Philippians 3, verse 8, Paul shared this. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now keep in mind, Paul wrote this while he was in prison. How can a person in prison be happy? How can a person who's lost everything be happy? How, how can people that are struggling with very little be happy? It's only if Jesus is the source of their joy, if he's at the center of your life. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul goes on and says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. We've got a motto in our church in, here in Tucson, Arizona. It's having fun, loving God, and making disciples. I believe strongly that when Jesus is the center of your life, 
when he's the focal point, then joy is what you get. You're having fun. You will have fun because having fun centers around loving God. In fact, if your walk with God right now is dead, dry, burdensome, you may have lost track of Christ in your life. There was a time early on in my Christian life where I struggled big time. I almost walked away from God. I was a, an intern on campus at UC Berkeley. I had just graduated. I thought I was really hot stuff. I'd had a good semester. The year after I graduated, I'd baptized some people. And I started to get an attitude. And I started to look at people as I looked at the church more as a system and his Christ's body. I lost track of the cross. I lost track of my motivation. And at that time, God was calling me back to become a truly Christ-centered leader. Now, I'd become a Christian, but if I want to be a strong leader for a lifetime, he forced me to really rethink my motivation. What are some false centers? What are some things that we can fake ourselves out as true centers? Well, take a look here in this passage. He says, whatever regains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Paul shares here, whatever were gains to him before, he says, that's just loss. It's, it's like trash. And we've got to take a look at things that we place confidence or we try to seek our joy in, like achievement. How many degrees I can get? How many promotions I can attain? How many positions I can achieve? Or maybe it's dating. Oh, if I just, if I just start dating, I'm going to be happy. If I just get married then I'm going to be supremely happy. If I just get more friends, or if I have more likes on my Facebook page or Instagram posts, I'm going to be a lot happier. Maybe it's possessions. That can be a false center. Money. Once I achieve this, once I get this certain amount in my retirement account, I'm going to be happy. Once I get a higher standard of living, a newer house, a bigger house, personal righteousness can also be a false center. Paul shares, not having a righteousness of my own. See, Paul, even though he was such a strong, strong religious person before he became a Christian, he realized that's not, I, I'm not banking on my perfection to get me to heaven. I don't even have a righteousness of my own. We can take pride in our purity, our humility, and yet there's always, always a flaw, no matter what. We can find a false center in our personal fruitfulness and kingdom dreams. That's what I did as a young Christian. I one semester, I baptized five people in the small group that I was assigned to lead. And I thought I was such an amazing person. But guess what? After that, what do you do? Baptize six? We can, we can get our confidence from saving souls or growing, and yet those things are unstable. Here's something to keep in mind. If it depends on you, it can't be depended on. Your joy is going to be intermittent. You'll, you'll be living a life of anticipation and then disappointment. You'll be thinking, oh, when I get this, I'm going to be happy. Then it won't happen. Let me tell you this. If you can't be happy right now, 
you're going to struggle to be happy long term. Let me let me repeat that. If you can't be happy right now, you're going to struggle to be happy long term. What are the benefits of Christ-centered leadership? This is my second second point I want to make about being Christ-centered. There's so many benefits. One is just you're more consistently joyful in all circumstances. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul shares, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed whether well or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What's so cool about having a Christ-centered life is you're, you're able to take more risks and not fear failing. And this is what you're going to need if you want to be a person that makes this life count. You can be joyful. Now, the self-centered leader can't make mistakes because it makes them look bad. He has trouble taking criticism because it affects his self-esteem. And she fears taking big risks. But a person who's let go of control for the sake of Christ is able to take the risks that lead to great miracles happening. I think some of the biggest things in my life were when I decided, hey, I could fail, but I'm still going to do it. When I planted a church, I planted a church in my hometown in Ashland, Oregon. It was scary. And I knew for sure I could fail. In fact, I, I, I didn't even take a team with me just my wife, my three kids, because I thought, if I fail, I don't want to be responsible for anybody else. But I couldn't have done that had my center been just only on myself, because I realized, listen, even if I fail, I've got Christ. Now let's talk about how to develop a Christ-centered leadership style. I think it's important to, quote-unquote, open the treasure chest. Open the treasure chest. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this in verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's so important. If you want to become a Christ-centered leader, there are things you can do. Sometimes we think, oh, you just got to be born that way. Absolutely not. He says, we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. Now, in this passage here, Paul is talking and referring to Moses. When Moses left the tent of meeting, his face was shining. And so he put a, a veil over his face to hide it because it was fading away. But he says, when we are Christians, when we're disciples, actually... The glory is increasing, not fading away. And we take off the veil because we're glowing brighter and brighter as we get older. And so what can we do to transform into that image with, with increasing glory day by day? Well, think about Jesus. That's, that's number one. You got to take time to think. Meditate on him. Study the blessings of being saved. How did I get out of that time when I was just miserable in my relationship with God, when I was focused on people and on the system and on my circumstances rather than on Christ, I had to focus on the blessings, what I had, how lucky I was to be in a relationship with Jesus. It helped me to contrast my sinfulness with Christ's perfection. 
and, and, and renew my gratitude for being in Christ. Spend time being thankful. Man, list out your blessings. Take some time. Hey, this is what I'm grateful for. This is what I'm grateful for. Use deliberate practice to develop the weak areas of your walk with Jesus. So often in our quiet times, we've got a, a routine. We, we are, we're on autopilot. We're doing the same things. We're reading the same passages. We're doing it the same way. We're reading the same translation of the Bible. You've got to force yourself to develop the weak areas in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's easy for you to just mumble off some words you know, just in your prayer time. Well, what's weak in your area? Maybe, maybe being grateful is a weakness, or maybe praising God is a weakness. Well, that's what you, you're going to need to focus on. I know, like with my kids, I remember growing up, uh, when they were growing up, they had a routine. I'd say, hey, would you like to pray? And they say, okay, we'll pray. They'd say the same thing. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day. Remember one day I said, listen, you can pray, but you can't say wonderful or day during the prayer. And all of a sudden, they were stumped. They didn't know how to pray because they, they just were in autopilot. But we do the same thing as adults. Take your relationship with God off autopilot. Change your prayer wording. Don't allow words like just, really, dear Father God, dear Father God, dear Father God, or endless repeating of God's name. Okay, let's say you're praying to God. Say, God, dear God. Okay, that's good. Introduction. Don't keep saying his name 50 times during the prayer. He, he's, he knows who you're talking to. Those, are, those, are, those aren't bad things, but they reveal there's a lot of autopilot thinking that's going on in our relationship with him. What else can we do to develop a Christ-centered leadership style and lifestyle? Do the things you did at first. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 says this, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Jesus comes to the church at Laodicea. I'm sorry, to Ephesus and said, you've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. It's so easy for us to lose track and to lose our love. In fact, Jesus said, the love of most will, will grow cold. So we've got to go back and do the things we did as young Christians that helped us to develop that passionate intensity we had as younger Christians. So what what did you do? Maybe you fasted. Maybe you went out and had dates with God. We just spent the evening on a mountain praying. Why not do it again? Shake your relationship with God up to re, re, restore that Christ-centered attitude. Identify some false centers of joy and happiness. Where are you trying to get your joy and happiness? I don't know what it is. Maybe you're relying on chemicals, drinking. I don't know. I don't know what it could be, but whatever it is, identify it and remove it. And remember times when you were finding joy in Christ. What were you doing during that time? This would be a good time for you to think about times when you're happy in Christ, to go back and go, okay, what was I doing? What was creating that joy? How can I get that back again? What qualities do you most admire about Jesus? Spend some time. Don't just think about your problems. Don't just pray about the people you're, you're trying to reach out to. But think about what do I admire about Christ? What makes me happy about him? Why am I happy to be in a relationship with Christ? And what thoughts about him bring you the most, most joy? 
spend some time opening up that treasure chest. What really helps me is, is in my quiet times, I'll just sit there and I'll just quietly meditate and I'll imagine myself opening up this huge treasure chest, like something out of Pirates of the Caribbean. I open it up and I'm just like digging through coins and jewels. And I think about, man, I've got everything. I've got a relationship with you. I'm going to heaven. Jesus loves me. I've sinned, but he loves me anyway. And I think through all the positive things and I, I push all the problems to the side and I say, listen, I'm just going to enjoy my relationship with Christ. I want you to think about it. If you won the Powerball, you won a hundred million bucks. Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be great, wouldn't it? And you just kept all that money in a treasure chest in your closet. Wouldn't you be tempted to pull it out and just look at it, touch it pretty often? Absolutely. Well, you have more than that in your relationship with Christ. So pull out that treasure chest. Don't just focus on the things that are missing. Focus on what you have in your relationship with God. And I want to thank you today for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. And I want to ask you, because my goal is to produce a weekly podcast inspiring you to live a no, no regrets life, to make this life count, to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. So if you've enjoyed this program, I'd like to ask you to rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Rob Skinner Podcast. Have a great day, and make this life count.